Spartans, Hoosiers, part two. This is a big one. And of course, we have to have a big guest. We're talking with Jared Morris of one of the biggest Big Ten podcasts out there, The Assembly Call. Let's go. Our Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked On Spartans listeners, thank you so much for kicking off your day with us here at Locked On Spartans. Your team in green and white every single day. Gang, we got a big one Tuesday. Uh, it goes without saying, outside the lines, inside the lines. This game almost means everything for, for Michigan State moving forward here. But I'm not the only voice today. We got Jared Morse here of Assembly Call, a wonderful Indiana show. Jared, how on earth are you doing, man? Are we doing okay over there? Doing great. Uh, much better, given that Indiana was able to come back against Illinois on Saturday. Uh, it's always always feel better after a win. But yeah, yeah, doing great. Now. And that was a great game, too. I, I watched the entire game from start to finish, and it, it looked a little hairy from Indiana. But God, it just seems like you guys have a knack for making these winning plays, right? And that even goes, this is going to be a really weird game to reference, a game that you lost against Northwestern. But you guys were down like 70 points, seemingly. But you, you guys just made winning play after winning play unfortunately northwestern's northwestern but do you guys just have a knack for doing that at the end of games or is this something that's kind of a newish for your season here for your hoosiers uh you know it's definitely newish for the program uh, i think one of the big kind of narratives and storylines this season has been okay are things actually going to be different you know indiana okay. struggled a lot last season you know finally you know was able to win some games there in the big 10 tournament that got indiana into the ncaa tournament I think everybody was wondering, okay, is that going to carry over to this season? Um, and it has, you know, I mean, they made plays to win the game at Xavier earlier in the season, um, you know, and, and, and so that was really kind of the first indication that, hey, maybe this will be a little bit different, you know, and I think dealing with some of the injuries have, has led to some ups and downs and, and Indiana really struggled there um, at the beginning of January. But what we've seen now, you know, over these last nine, 10 games uh, is really you know, a team that has struggled at the beginning of games and has definitely you know, kind of dug themselves some holes, especially here of late, but they've got a real kind of collective confidence and will, um, you know, that we just haven't seen and an ability to just go make big plays. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has gone to the next level. He's just playing terrific. And so that kind of gives you that rock to lean on. And then the other, you know, real big development has been Jalen hood Shafino, who, you know, when you look at his numbers, it's like, okay, he's, he's good. But he's had some ups and downs and he'll make some plays that kind of make you pull your hair out. Mm -hmm. But then when it's winning time, he, you know, he has the best kind of amnesia for an athlete. You know, it's like yeah. he forgets the bad plays. He's ready for the big moments. And so those two guys, I think when you really have a couple of guys like that that you can count on, it's going to give you some ups and downs if you rely on them too much, which Indiana probably does and needs some other guys to step up. But in big moments, they know their identity. They know who's getting the shots. And those guys have really stepped up and made big plays. And I think that's been a big part of the reason why they've been able to win some of these close ones. It goes without saying, too, the guy in the middle, Trace Jackson Davis, who generational player, man. He Four straight games, just 20 and 10 in, in four straight games. What What's the best way to stop him? Because I'm out of ideas. I think the rest of the Big Ten coaches are out of ideas. Is it simply just we have to board him inside his hotel room and make sure he doesn't even leave? Or is there some weakness that you could point out for us here when it comes to this guy that's on a tear 
Yeah, you know, for the longest time in Trace's career, it was actually pretty predictable what games he would struggle in. You know, he always okay. really struggled against Kofi Coburn and guys who were bigger. Um, you know, and and if you could kind of get him away from his left hand a little bit, he would struggle if you were real physical with him. And what's been so impressive about what he's done this season is there aren't really any easy answers to that question now. I mean, he produces and gets his numbers in every game. Um, now, I think the key is you want to make him inefficient, you know, and that's when you look back to the first Indiana-Michigan State game, you know, Indiana ends up just kind of railroading Michigan State in the second half yeah. because we had a couple guys that shot well, you know, and Trace got to the free throw line a lot. But Michigan State held him to 10 of 20, which is actually one of his least efficient games. Um, and I think if you saw what Northwestern did to really frustrate him early in the game, you know, they sent a double late. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, now it's not as much, OK, get Trace away from scoring with his left hand. It's, hey, let's frustrate him as a passer so that okay. he can't pass with his left hand, you know, because his game has kind of expanded uh, to that point where he's really become a facilitator. And Northwestern really did that. And it got him kind of out of his rhythm. He turned the ball over a little bit too much. Um, you know, so I think with him now, it's not so much how do we stop him, because I think he's just reached a level of maturity in his game. Um, and just physically, now that he's so much older, he's probably going to get his numbers. But what yeah. you want is to not let him find Tamar Bates for five threes and to not let Trey Galloway get open for open threes, you know, and, and to make Jalen Huchifino inefficient. And a big part of that is, you know, can you just make it a little bit more difficult on Trace to score efficiently and then to facilitate? Um, that's really, I think, the key to slowing down this IU offense. It's almost what we just saw too Saturday night when Michigan State took on Michigan. Okay, they got a great big man, Hunter Dickinson. They really kept him quiet for most of the game. A lot of double teams, mixing it up too of the timing of when they would collapse on him as well. I think that we'll see that Tuesday night. But of course, if you could bounce it out to a perimeter shooter, that helps. So, what what is the shooting like? Please tell me that someone's due for a cold streak. I, I'm, I'm begging you, Jared. Please. You know the shooting has been so interesting. I mean, that's been such a bugaboo for Indiana and a uh -huh. topic of consternation, you know, for fans, because we haven't shot well in years. And this season, what's different is Indiana is shooting the ball efficiently. I mean, I think at last check, Indiana was in the top 25 and three point percentage, um, you know, in large part because of what Miller cop has been able to do. And because you've had guys like Tamar and Trey Galloway who have really improved their three point percentage. The issue is Indiana is a very, very low volume three point shooting team. Okay. Um, it remains kind of the big question to me, and I think potential, you know, for Indiana to actually improve down the stretch is if they start incorporating more three-point shooting because they are efficient at it. Um, and, and I really think that that's one of the big, you know, kind of storylines coming into this game because Michigan State has defended the three-point line, you know, very well. And I think when you look at what happened in that first game, Indiana goes nine for 15. That was an uncharacteristic shooting performance from Indiana, not just because teams typically don't shoot 60%, which doesn't normally happen. That you helps, know, Indiana yeah. is an improved three-point shooting team anyway, but they haven't been taking that number. I mean, they've really started taking fewer and fewer threes. Um, and, it, you know, to me, it's something they need to start doing more of on the road. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, kind of how Indiana approaches that. Um, against a really good defensive team in, in Michigan State. But, no, you guys probably caught us that first one. I mean, the best shooting performance of the season. Um, and it's hard to expect that to continue, especially for a team that has typically shot much better at home than it has on the road. I feel like Michigan State never plays against a team that's just okay shooting. It's either they are at a 60% <laughs> clip or they're like two of 19. But we'll see what we see on Tuesday night. Um, so we talked Trace Jackson Davis. You talked Jalen Hood-Shafino. Those are the two big names. Uh, Miller Cop, of course, a well-known name. 
Race Thomas, also a really well-known name. He did play last game uh, when the Spartans met the Hoosiers, but that was coming off his injury, so tough to judge him off that. What has he meant, though, to this team ever since coming back? Has he gotten back to full strength, or what's his game been like? I wouldn't say that race is back to full strength yet. Um, He's much better now. No question about it. You know, he really, those first couple games back, you could tell, I mean, he was just struggling to move laterally. He didn't have much lift, you know, when he was trying to finish down low and probably one of the most encouraging things in the Northwestern game. And then in the Illinois game is I think he was in double figures in both games is he got back to being able to finish down low. You know, unfortunately the three point shooting has never really materialized for race. Uh, which people hope. So he is not really a stretch for, even though he'll pop out and, you know, take one or two every now and then. But where he is really important is, you know, Indiana offensively, one of the ways that they like to kind of, you know, avoid the double teams that that teams will send is they really like to go with the high low and they like to put mm-hmm. trace in the high post. And then you have a guy like race, you know, who can take advantage. He's pretty good at posting up, um, you know, and then can get it down there and finish. And there for a while he was struggling to finish, um, you know, but getting back to doing that, I think, adds an important element for Indiana's offense, um, you know, to, to help keep Trace out of trouble um, and to help, you know, ease some of the burden on Trace on being the only guy who scores in the post. Race can really do that. And, you know, then the other thing he really means to Indiana is a lot defensively, you know, and, okay. and really one of the things that I'm most worried about in this game is that Malik Hall is back. He didn't play in the first game. Um, and I know he's been struggling a little bit. But he's the type of guy that really gives Indiana problems. Yeah. And the thing is, you already have one in Joey Hauser who gave us problems in the first game. And so I think having both of those guys, it's a real matchup issue for Indiana. Um, you know, even though I think Race and Miller Cop have both, you know, Miller Cop especially has really improved defensively. But it's funny, it's like Race, he's just like the key to Indiana's defense working. There's something about his presence and just his veteran leadership, even though he'll get beat sometimes and he doesn't have the same athleticism. He really does kind of settle Indiana's defense down and just, you know, for some reason guys seem to be in the right position when race is out there. And so those individual matchups do worry me. um, But I think having race back out there and a little bit closer to his, you know, normal form, I think will really help. That really just seems like a mirror of Malik Hall because same thing when he's back, the defense does seem to be more sewn together, if you will. So yeah, yeah, they really do, you know, duplicate each other in a lot of ways. Um, Jared, we're not done talking about this game or even just, you know, more broadly about the season, but I'm so sorry. I got to send you to the bench for a hot second because I got to talk to people's ears off about built bar. That's right. Gang. If you've been listening to this show for a week, months or years, we've been talking your ear off about built bar. That's right. They're going to take care of you in three ways. Number one are your taste buds. That's right. It says right here. Hey, say it tastes as good as a candy bar. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to shoot you straight. They taste better than a candy bar. That's right. Giving it to you, honestly. Churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond are just three of the flavors. Reason number two they take care of you is that each of these Bilt Bars, they're going to have somewhere around 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. You're not going to feel weighed down. You're not going to feel sluggish after having this protein bar. You are going to feel springy, energetic, and powerful with that 17 grams of protein as well. And then the third way Bilt Bar takes care of you is the convenience that's right, as if Built.com wasn't easy enough to go to and snag some delicious, delicious Built Bars. Hey, if you're at a Sam's Club, if you're at a Walmart, you can mosey on over to the pharmacy section and get a four-bar box of Built Bars as well. That's right. It ain't just the internet. Go do it in a brick-and-mortar store like the good old days. 
Built.com, Sam's Club, Walmart, stock up on your built bars and take care of yourself. And Jared did not leave despite me screaming built bar into his headset. That's I mean, I did think about going to get myself a built bar because that <laughs> was a, you know, there we great, go. A great recommendation. Thank you. Really dug deep for that one. You know, that's uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Built Bar is going to be proud of that one. Um, so that was a lot of great things that we just talked about with Indiana. And also, hey, you guys are winners of nine of your last 11. Uh, you have a player that is rising up the boards for Big Ten Player of the Year, maybe even National Player of the Year. With that said, BartTorvik.com has Michigan State as three-point favorites. Now, the official gambling line hasn't come out, but more times than not, they're very closely aligned. What? What? what why? I, why? Can you explain it? Because I, I – is it just because we're at home? Is that it? Or is there something else that bothers you about this game? Uh, no, there's a lot that bothers me about this game. I think Ken Great. Palm has okay. Michigan State. Michigan State has a one-point favorite. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and so – you know, obviously the, the, those metrics are just, you know, they're just looking at it very analytically, you know, yeah. based on how the teams have played all that stuff. And so I think if you just look at it based on that, I fully understand why, you know, Michigan state is a one, two, three point favorite. I mean, I think Indiana has struggled a bit on the road. Now, you know, we were able to go beat Michigan. We've had some good performances on the road, like Xavier and Illinois, uh, you know, but have also had some games where we just haven't really played well for 40 minutes. I mean, we escaped playing against Minnesota, you know, really not playing well, have had some other games, you know, like against Rutgers, where we just kind of kind of got run out of there. Um, and we certainly were what remember what happened last year at Michigan State, um, which was, you know, a competitive game for about 24 minutes. Then Michigan State ran away with it. Yeah. And so I think, you know, those struggles, um, you know, I think just Indiana's, you know, real inability to find anybody besides trace who's been consistent on the road you know jalen has been better of late but even he you know has really had some tough stretches i mean he was one for 14 or something like that against maryland um you know so i i you know and and michigan state despite what are they you know four and six in their last 10 but only one of those was a home game and that was against purdue a one point loss so michigan state through some struggles you know has always you know been tough uh, at the breslin center and so i anticipate that again you know, and then I think you layer that on with just the emotion that we all expect Tuesday night. I mean, given yeah. everything that has happened, you know, at Michigan State um, and, I, you know, just before we got on here, I mean, I was reading uh, an article that Brendan Quinn, you know, wrote for The Athletic, you know, just kind of going through everything that had happened and had some great quotes from Malik Hall and his mom, mm-hmm. you know, just about, you know, what it's like. I mean, being, you know, being a student like everybody else, but then having kind of the pressure of also being a basketball player who's representing the university at this, you know, kind of real emotional time. Um, And so I think you add that to it and you expect a Tom Izzo team to kind of rise to that occasion. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why you would look at this game and think that Michigan state is a reasonable favorite. I do. Now it doesn't mean that I don't have confidence that Indiana can't go there and win. Right. Um, I think, you know, we have the players to do it. And I think, you know, it's certainly within the realm of possibility um, but I, w- I would agree with the predictions that suggest it's more likely than not that, that Michigan State comes out on top. And just for you personally, as a fan watching a game here, where does Breslin Center rank on your list of arenas that you don't want to see your team play? And because for me, it's it's Mackey and Assembly are 1A and 1B. I, I have no recollection of Michigan State ever winning at either of those places. I know they've <laughs> happened. I just don't have the memory in, in my brain. Um, there's other tough places to play, obviously. Like the rack is never fun. Uh, but – is Breslin your top three? Is it is it higher than that? Is it lower than that? What, how, how much do you hate watching Indiana play at Breslin is my question, I guess. <laughs> I mean, 
it's you know if Mackie Arena is one A, Breslin is one B. Okay, okay. Um, you know, and and look, you could say you know, given Indiana's recent history, you know, playing at the rack where they always seem to just crush us. Um, you know, there's some yeah. of those that pop up every now and then. But I mean, Breslin Center has been there for decades. I mean, I remember yeah. I think you know Indiana won there in '93, and then didn't win again until 2013 when Victor gotcha. Oladipo just played incredible in that game. Uh, you know, and so it's a place that we've had a little bit more success at lately, but it's still, it's just one of those places, you know, like opponents for assembly hall and like a lot of folks, when you go into Mackey, you just kind of assume that you're probably not going to win. Even if the program's a little bit down, Yeah, it's still Tom Izzo's program and they're still going to take care of things at home most of the time. So that's definitely part of it. There's been a lot of really bad 40 minute experiences watching basketball at the Breslin Center. No doubt. Uh, Yeah, we've felt the same way, but just obviously the opposite. Um, Hey, this year it happened. Look at us go. Um, I swear I'm not pandering to you. I I, I swear I'm not doing this, Um, but I, I honestly mean this. You brought Victor Oladipo, and that made me think, like, he's probably my favorite Big Ten player of all time that's not a Spartan. Um, Just absolutely electric, unlimited motor on that kid. I I miss him playing at Indiana. With that said, do you have, like, a favorite Spartan that you've seen, like, in the past, you know, 10, 20 years? Or or if your answer is that you just hate every single one, that's that's fine, too. You can stir the pot that way. But is there any Spartan that sticks out for you if you want to do some kindness? No, definitely. Um, And, you know, Michigan State has always been a program – that from afar, I, I wouldn't say that I've liked them, but I've certainly always yeah. respected them. And I think they've been, you know, one of the Big Ten teams that once it gets to tournament time, they're always the easiest one for me to go away from thinking of them as a rival and to kind of root for them. Like I was okay. just, I, I just, I respect the program. The two guys that have always stuck out for me, one is Draymond Green, who I yeah. just absolutely loved when he was a Spartan. Was not surprised at all to see him succeed in the NBA. I just, I, you know, I love him and everything about his game. Uh, and Cassius Winston is the other one, who is okay. just one of the most fun players I've ever watched play point guard. Um, actually, I got to, I was up in Bloomington for the game. Was that 2019? I think whatever the game was, the, the Justin Smith game, where Justin Smith just had an out of body experience, and then the final possession was Rob Finnessy guarding Cassius Winston, but just watching him orchestrate an offense and pick apart a defense. It was, I mean, it was just one of the most beautiful things I've seen. He was so much fun to watch. Love Cassius Winston. He was great. Hated that game though. I got, I remember that game like it was yesterday. I I was on vacation, watched at a beach bar next to Indiana fans. They were great. And I I almost fell right out of my chair. Um, It was devastating. Enough about me. No one cares about that. Um, Look, I want to end this uh, again. Not, not, pandering not not trying to blow sunshine up your you know what here but I, i'm gonna give a spoiler to what i'm gonna do for march madness like i, I already have some set bracket calls that i'm gonna make here one of them is okay purdue I, sorry they're saying goodbye in the sweet 16 like i no matter who they're <laughs> facing sayonara okay that's you're out the second rule i'm gonna have here coming up is that i, I think i'm gonna have indiana in my final four i think i'm gonna have indiana in my final four I think I'm going to have Indiana in my final four. Talk me out of that, please. Or double down and say, yeah, that's a great idea, actually. Because it just seems so good, right? They have so much going for them right now. I love it. Yeah, well, look, I fully agree with your Purdue thoughts. No question about it. So that is – One for one. Here we go. (laughs) You know, the Indiana the final four thing is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, number one, I think the context of this tournament is really important because – I mean, who are the great teams? You know, I mean, it's just it really feels like this tournament is so wide open. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and and that is what kind of makes, you know, here as we sit on February 20th talking about Final Four teams, it makes it tough because so much mm. of it is going to be about the matchups and kind of the path that you have. 
Here's what I will say about Indiana. You know, the fact that they have, you know, a, a, two players to lean on, like Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino. Jalen will probably be a top 20 pick in the NBA draft, maybe a lottery pick based on where yep. his draft stock is trending. Uh, and Trace has just become this do-everything force of nature. When you have those two guys to lean on, you're going to have a chance in every game. The big key for Indiana is can you find a third consistent score? You know, they need someone else who can consistently provide offense. It doesn't always have to be the same guy, but they've got to have someone who can do it. And there are just too many games where that guy doesn't materialize. You know, that's why they lost to Northwestern. That's why some of these games have been closer than they should have been. So one potential answer there is Xavier Johnson. If he comes back and is even 80% of what he was, we don't know that yet. You know, I I don't think he's going to play Tuesday. I don't think he's going to play Saturday against Purdue. The unconfirmed rumor is that he'll be back for the final two home games. Gotcha. That's going to be really interesting to watch. And then from there, it's can they start getting Miller Cotmore shots? You know, can Tamar Bates, who was amazing against Michigan State the first game, I'm not sure. I mean, he scored 18 points in that game. I don't know that he scored 18 points combined in all the games since. I mean, I think I think it's like 24 or something. Gotcha. But he has really struggled. Could he be that guy? Um, so that's the big thing because if they find that guy they definitely have what it takes to make a final four because they have balance on offense and defense stars to lean on. They shoot well from three. So they have all the ingredients that you would want. The problem is, you know, to win, you know, four straight games that you would need to get to a final four, you know, you're probably going to have an off night from Jalen. And as good as Trace is, he can't score 35 points every game. So that off game, is there enough offense that steps up? If not, you know, Indiana could lose a first or second round game because of that, just the nature of the tournament. But if they can get that scoring, I do agree. I mean, they've got a lot of the components that you would want for a team that could make a deep run. So, look, I'm an optimist. So I would, you know, I tend to think that that will materialize, whether it's X or somebody else, as this team, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rounds into its final form. But if there's skepticism, that's where the skepticism would come from understandable yeah it's funny like i was just talking with a buddy over the weekend and we're like how many teams do you think can actually win a national title and the answer was any team that even got votes in the ap poll like that's that's how wide open (laughs) it it feels right i mean it's it's crazy just no one's really made themselves a clear-cut favorite here or even like a small group i don't know so and also too if you guys lose in a 14 versus three game Send everyone over to this podcast. We jinx everything all the time. So now that I just put that out there, if anything nasty happens in the first round or dare I say the second round, like lock on Spartans at gmail.com is where uh, now we know. Now we know who to blame. I'll I'll even give you my address if they want to drive up and see. That's how bad I would feel about it. Um, So I wanted to apologize before that materializes. Um, Jared, this has been great, man. I really do appreciate it. Anything else that you want to get off your chest? Any hot takes before we uh, let you enjoy the rest of your Monday here? No, no hot takes, just, you know, a lot of, I mean, you know, just empathy and thoughts and, and, you know, for, for just the campus and everything that, that, that folks have been dealing with. I mean, it's just, it's such an unspeakable type of tragedy. Um, And, you know, I have to say, you know, and obviously Indiana fans have had their issues with Tom Izzo for, you know, a variety of reasons over the years, but, you know, you see, you know, him give that speech and you see kind of what he means, um, And it does, you know, we, you know, we often joke about it, you know, on our show, it's like, okay, we're, you know, middle-aged guys who hop on the computer and talk about college kids playing basketball, right? What's the real meaning here? And, you know, to us, the meaning is, well, you know, we have a community with our show and really what this is, is a shared experience to kind of bring people together, um, you know, into kind of a communal feeling. And, 
you know, I think that's, you know, maybe one of the, the, the things that this incident kind of shows is the power that sports and sports figures can have, you know, in a time of need. Um, so, you know, just, just want to express, I mean, the deepest sympathies to the campus and, and everybody for, you know, for what happened. Um, and it's, it's kind of one of those games. I mean, honestly, I'm going to feel a little torn about it because if, yeah. if I was just a neutral observer watching the game, I would want Michigan state to dominate and just give everybody an emotional catharsis that sports can give, you know, I wouldn't want the other team to come in and win and kind of deflate the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, but obviously there's a part of me that's an IU fan. I mean, the guys are out there playing, it's a competition. So you want to yeah. see him win, but I'm not, honestly, I'm, I'm not going to be shocked if the emotion of the moment just leads to like a 20 point railroading and Indiana never gets its footing because there's just something special happening in yeah. the air, you know? So, and if that happens, honestly, there will be a part of me that feels good for the players, the coaches, the fans, and just everybody who's been affected by what's happened. No, um, yeah. So, no question. Well, we, we sincerely appreciate that. And I, I'm just speaking of my own personal experience, but incident happens. And then immediately after you feel how big the Michigan state community is and how much love and support there is. And then once, once that yeah. kind of gets settled into you, you then realize like how much the other communities mean to you as well. Cause there's been no shortage of support, you know, from rival yeah. fan bases, just even not right. just from different conferences just from all over. So all that love and support um, has been great. So we really do appreciate those words. So thanks a ton, man. Um, you know, just for everything you said there and also for, for joining us here, talk about this game, lending your insight, your knowledge. So there's been a great chat. Go, go check them out. The assembly called it. That's one of the biggest shows that we have in the conference here. I mean, maybe God, the, the biggest, maybe I don't, you guys kill it down there. You, you guys are awesome <laughs> at what we're, you do. So really, really we're, we're blessed to have a very intense fan base that will stick with this program through 25 years in the wilderness. That so. helps. That helps. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I hear that, man. So <laughs> thanks a ton. And everyone that watched, everyone that listened, thank you as well. Of course we will be back tomorrow. We'll break down the game a little bit here, but Hey, until then enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go green.